Well, as Pastor Jeff said, um, the next week we're going to be kicking off our fall ministry season. We're going to be returning to those two services on, on Sunday morning, and that is going to kick off Romans 5. Remember last Sunday we ended Romans 4, and we're going to getting ready to start. I think probably uh, the, the most encouraging and uplifting part of the, of the book of, of Romans. It begins in chapter 5, it runs through chapter, chapter 8, and I, I can't wait to, to get there and walk through it with you. Um, then after next Sunday, several weeks following, women's Bible studies, small groups, men's grace and granite, shifts in college ministry, uh, adventure club begins, Sunday night, uh, equipping classes, but beyond all of that, this coming week, um, the two major training ministries of our church begin. Uh, Timberlake Christian Schools and the Expositor Seminary. And so this morning, between Romans 4 and Romans 5, I want to take an opportunity and remind you why we, why we do them. And to exhort you to, to labor for them in, uh, in the Lord. They're, they're a vital part, whether... Whether you're sitting here this morning and you say, I'm not in the seminary and I don't have a child or I'm not a teacher at Timberlake Christian Schools. And so in one sense, this will be different from what we normally do. Uh, we normally are walking verse by verse through, uh, through the Bible. So this won't be an exposition of Scripture um, entirely, but it is from the exposition of Scripture. This is the implications of exposition that's, uh, that, that's drawn from many passages rolled into one. And frankly... It's basic ecclesiology, the function of the church and the practice of the things the Lord has commanded the, the church to do. And if you've recently been to one of our new member classes or you will recall the new members class, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's also called a biblical philosophy of, of ministry. And, and I want to tell you, I didn't come to Christ till I was 24, you know that. And at that point, I, I did... Probably what a lot of people did, I, I sat under preaching every Sunday, which was some here and some there, and, and it was uh, you know, well-intentioned. I learned some things, but, but I really didn't have the, the big picture. I really didn't understand how it all fit together. I, I'd get a bit here and a bit there. I, almost called, I called it worm-drilling you know, theology. You're just like drill down in one passage or, or one verse, but have no idea how that fit into the context of that book or the context of the, of the Bible. I would hear about things that Jesus said or Jesus did or what he commanded, but, but, but no one ever, ever laid out for me how it all fit together. Like, like, what is God doing in the world? And in one sense, it was, it was as simple as the gospel's being shared and people are being saved. But, 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 but it's, it's more profound even than that. And when you see it all come together, you understand your purpose in it, you understand the purpose of the church, and then, and then how you get behind all of that and, and, and push until the Lord Jesus Christ uh, comes. And that's what we do in the new members class. We... We, we, we lay all of that out, uh, our doctrinal convictions, our major ministries, which is basically what we're all about as a, as a congregation, and all of that comes from, from Scripture. I mean, we take membership and ministry seriously, and that's not to say other people don't, we're just saying we do. Um, 
So we want you to know, we want people to know what it, what it means to become part of, uh, of a local church because we've been covenant together. We'll be doing that um, uh, in just a few weeks when we bring in some, some new members. We do uh, fairly regularly. Uh, we'll covenant together to uphold the doctrines of the Bible and fulfill then these mandates for ministry that, that God, has, God has given us. Um, we're not alone. We're not lone rangers. It's not you and God out there doing something. Uh, the Lord saved you individually, but then He, he, he immersed you into a body of, of believers that's represented in this local assembly here. The, People that you know, you know their names, you sit beside them, you serve with them, and, and then out of, of, of that body of people, there, there's effort that's, that, that's put forward. Well, where is that effort? Uh, what's it aimed at? And that's where you get some of the things we'll, we'll talk about uh, this morning. So in a new members class, we just kind of lay a doctrinal foundation. We talk about uh, what Timberlake is all about. We believe in the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture. Or to say it another way, we, we have a high view of the Bible because Jesus did. We believe that it's the very word of, of our Creator, and, and it contains everything that we need for life and, and godliness. You don't need my opinion. You, you don't need business tricks or anything else. You need, you need Scripture. That, that, that's our authority. We, we talk about how we, we believe in the power of the gospel. We believe the gospel, the accurate and passionate announcement of the good news is the life-giving source by which the Holy Spirit regenerates dead people. Not, not people that need reformed, uh, people that, that need regenerated. They need spiritual life. You must be born uh, again. And our job is to faithfully share it and then call people to believe it and then God and the Holy Spirit do, does the, the work. God, the Holy Spirit. The Lordship of Christ, um, we believe that Jesus is Lord of all. We don't just believe that Jesus is your get-out-of-hell-free card. He's not just fire insurance, as they say. He's God. He, he's your master. Uh, and, and so when a person is saved, they'll acknowledge that. They desire to follow Christ, to follow the voice of Christ, which is in the Scriptures, which are authoritative and sufficient. Um, and because of that power of the gospel, they'll, they'll now bear, bear good fruit. And... And then all of that is lived out in the centrality of the local church. We believe that the church is essential for life. The church is not just a, a place where you do programs. It's not an additive. It's central to, to your Christianity. It's central because, because Christ ordained it, and He said it would never fail. It, it's, it's, it's central because... That's the context where God says He'll sanctify His people, and it's the vehicle by which God says He's going to make and mature disciples all, all over the, the world. You probably uh, know that as the, the, the Great Commission. And so if someone was to ask you, what, what, what's, what does your church believe? What is Timberlake all about? I hear you go to Timberlake. What is it all about? You, you can answer the, these, four, these four statements. Or you could say it even simpler. We have a high view of God and a and a high view uh, of His Word. And, and I lay all of that out and walk through that theology, then go over some about nine philosophy of ministry statements followed by a ministry strategy that, that try to keep us, keep us on track, which, again, you've probably heard of that before if you've, if you've been around for a while. Um, being a healthy church, making and maturing disciples, training faithful people, and sending uh, Great Commission workers. 
they're all participles, meaning that they're ing words. We continually do that, and, and they actually build on one another. I mean, this is a, a kind of a compacted uh, philosophy of ministry. I mean, a healthy church. What does it do? It it makes and matures disciples, and then part of that that maturing is training. And some are trained for ministry and missions, and what do you do with them? You actually send them, and they're the workers that Christ has called to send to the nations. Again, it's a simple and yet biblical philosophy of ministry. There are a lot of things that you, a church can do. There are many things that are good and helpful that you can even do in the community and for others. But these are things we must do because Christ commanded them of His church in, in His Word. And, and it's these last two statements that you're going to see lived out or put in front of you over, over the next few weeks as we, we kick off both of our major training ministries. That's the, the third one in the list there. Expositor Seminary begins this week in TCS. That's the training part. And then as Pastor Jeff mentioned, this, this missional focus weekend that's coming up on August 28th. That's the sending Part. And then every single Sunday, you're striving to be a healthy church and you're making disciples as you go out and you're maturing them as you, as you gather to, together. You, you'll, you'll see in that missional focus some, some current missionaries we support, hear from some new ones, and all of this is part of a normal, uh, healthy church, the normal life of a healthy church. And this morning, though, I want to remind you of the biblical mandate that we have to carry these, these things out. I mean, you're not going to find a passage in the Bible that says thou shall have a Christian school or, or even a seminary in, in your church. But what you will find are commands from the Lord to teach and, and to train. Because these are commands, these are not optional matters. I mean, it's a, it's a sea of, uh, of confusion, quite frankly, if you... You move into even, say, someplace like Lynchburg, which there are over 400 and some churches. And you, you come from a church, maybe you're a believer, and you're trying to figure out where to go. And you, you pull up websites, and you'll see all kinds of taglines and things. And we're focused on this, and we're about that. And you can go talk to the pastors and, you know, and, and otherwise. But what I'm telling you this morning, these are serious obligations and significant opportunities. These are commands that Christ has given to His church. Not, not every church is commanded or able to have a Christian school, and not everyone can be part of a seminary. But every church is commanded to train and to send, to equip the saints, including training these future elders and, and missionaries. Or to say it another way, we would be doing the things that go on at TCS and at TES, whether we had those institutions or not, whether we had those, those ministry vehicles or not. And all of it's clearly laid out in Christ's promise and, and His plan for His church, which is what I mean by basic uh, ecclesiology. This will help it all come together, at least it did for me. I mean, when you see the, the, the role of the church, it comes into focus. It causes everything to make sense rather than just getting a glimpse here or there. And I think you start in Matthew 16. You start where the church begins, or at least the declaration that Christ makes about the church. Matthew 16, you know Jesus made a promise, didn't he? He said, I will build my church and the gates of, of Hades or hell will not, will not prevail against it. It will not, not overcome it. And 
And in that passage, he also declares how he's going to build his church. What, he, what, he, what is Christ going to use to, to build his church? He says, I'm going to build it on the truth that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, the confession that Peter makes for the rest of the, of the disciples. And, and he promises that, 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 that he's going to die, that he's the promised one who will die for sins and raise in gl- uh, glorious victory. And then you see Jesus take the 12 apostles, 12 disciples, that he calls them apostles, and he sends them out to proclaim that message. After he dies and he's buried and he raises uh, from the dead, they're his witnesses, the book of Acts says. Witnesses to what? Witnesses to the fact that he's the Christ, the, the son of, of the living God. And that, that's what we call the Great Commission. That's what he gave the, the disciples before he sent them out to be his witnesses, before he sends into heaven. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing the ones that believe and the ones that follow, and then teach them the entirety of my word. Sanctify them, mature them, equip them. Where? In the church. They're baptized and brought into into an assembly of other believers. And all of that story about who Jesus is and what he did is contained in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke and John. That, that's the message that they proclaim. That's, that's the message that they wrote about. We're witnessing to who Jesus is and, and what He did. Here are the four Gospels. And that witness and that work, what that looks like, the witnessing they actually did is recorded in the book of Acts and then the, the details about how to do it and, and, and what is a church and how is it structured. That's carried out in the rest of the of the New Testament. And that work's still going on today. I mean, the book of Acts shows the apostles doing this very thing. They, they laid the foundation of the church. I mean, Jesus promised to build it. Jesus gave the tools for them to use, the, the gospel, that, that he's the Christ, who he is and what he did. And then he sends them out as his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you look in the book of Acts, that's exactly what they do. They start in Jerusalem, and then they go to Judea and Samaria, and then the Apostle Paul comes along and his three missionary journeys, and, and it's still going and going and going. But look at what Ephesians 2 says. Look at the role of the, these apostles, and then also the prophets that were during that, that church age, that, that period of time, the early, the early church. In Ephesians, it says, So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household. He's talking about the church there, and he's telling the Gentiles that you're you're now part of of God's people. Jews and Gentiles are now merged together. They come together. The dividing wall's been torn down. You you come together in the church. Notice what he says next in verse 20. The church having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now when you hear that, you should hear Matthew 16, Christ being the cornerstone. That's what he told Peter upon this rock, this foundational boulder of the confession that you just made, not on Peter himself, but on what Peter confessed, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. On, upon that that cornerstone, that's, that, that's what the church will, 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 be, will launch from. Who I am and, and what I accomplished. And then somebody is going to take that foundation stone that's being laid by Christ and then they're going to build a foundation. And that foundation, those foundational builders were the apostles and the prophets. 
in whom the whole church or the whole building is being fitted together, is, and it's growing. It's alive. It's growing into a, a holy temple of the Lord. So you have architectural uh, illustrations here. And once Jesus ascended into the heavens, he, he sent the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to empower His witnesses, which were the apostles. And the apostles then did the work of building His church. They had authenticating gifts. They had sign gifts. They, they were foundational workers. They're different from me and, and you. You don't have the ability to send fancy hankies around and heal people, no matter what you see on, on TV. You can't look at somebody and say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. The apostles could do that because they authenticated who Jesus was and, and what he did. They received gifts and power to accomplish the work. They received revelation. The, the apostles are the ones that gave us the New Testament through, the, through this, this foundational work that Christ did in in his church, through the Holy Spirit, and, and it happens. If you follow the book of Acts, the, the, the story of the church being launched, that, that foundation is, is laid. You, you go to Acts 6, and you see a need rise in the church, and so the apostles can't tend to the needs in the church. So they say, set apart these, these seven men, which, which became, later becomes the office of the deacons, so we can focus on the word and prayer. And, and then you hear elders being talked about, and and you just see that as the, the, the foundation is laid and the, the structure of the church is formed, then, then, then there's more structure built on top of that, deacons and then, and then elders. And then you go into the rest of the New Testament, explains to us where those people come from, what are their qualifications, who calls them, who, who trains them. And if you've read the book of Acts, you also know that, that it doesn't have an ending. I mean, the apostles are, are, are still going and still preaching. Some of those sign gifts are trailing off toward the end of the book of Acts, but the church is still being built, and that's on purpose because Christ is still building His church today. You're here. You're, you're evidence. You're an evidence of it. And that preaching and growing is still happening, and, and you're part of it. And the passage that Ryan read for us this morning is, is who took over, how that building is, is still happening because that passage tells us that Christ also gave other gifts beyond those foundational workers. There were some apostles and prophets. They were the foundation workers, but they're gone because the foundation is complete. But there were also evangelists and pastors and teachers. And, and, and they're the workers that, that have taken over now. They're the primary workers that the gifts that Christ has given to, to His church. And those workers equip the saints, and the saints, that's, that's you, and then you actually do the building of the church, the, the work of the ministry. You're the means by which Christ will, will mature. And that maturity is inside of the church, and that proclamation is outside of the church, exactly what these missionary evangelists and and, and equipping pastors and teachers are doing. The work outside of the church, evangelism, the work inside of the church, equipping. And they're doing that, and, and you're doing that. Some go outside of the church and proclaim the good news. And as the good news is proclaimed, then Christ saves people. And then he saves enough people where they're gathered in a local assembly. And then that local assembly is then rooted by these missionary evangelists in, in basic doctrine. 
And then out of that, that assembly, then the same thing that you see happening in the book of Acts takes place. There are deacons that are called because there are needs that rise in this new fledgling church. And then there are elders that are called to take over. And then those missionary evangelists go somewhere else and do the exact same thing. And then they hand the ball off, if you will, to these pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints inside the church. So some go outside to proclaim and some stay inside. And Ephesians 4 describes that, that structure. And Jesus has promised not only to, to build his church, but this passage says he gave gifts. He gave tools to be able to do it. The, the gifts of Christ given to his church are, are these are these positions, these roles, if you will. And we're sending up missionaries and pastors and teachers are being trained with, within. And when that happens, saints are equipped. And that's where these training ministries of Timberlake Christian Schools and Expositor Seminary comes in. It's to help us accomplish the task of maturing the saints right here. So that's wonderful to talk about the apostles and Acts and, and what was going on in Ephesus, but what about us? I mean, how are we, if these are the mandates of Christ, if this is how Christ says he's going to build his church, what, how do we do that as a, as a local congregation? Well, that's where these two ministries, these two training ministries come in, and then you're going to hear about the sending part in just a, in just a few weeks. There are two ways that we fulfill Christ's mandate to, to teach or to train. And the first is we train students through Timberlake Christian Schools. And the second, we, we train faithful men through Expositor's Seminary. This is the training side. The sending is, is coming. I mean, TCS, whether you go there or you're employed there or you connect with it in some way, is a discipleship ministry of this church. It's, it's provided to equip, are you ready? the children of Timberlake Baptist Church. Now, I understand not all the children of Timberlake Baptist Church go to TCS, and that's totally fine. You, you have a responsibility before the Lord to, to train your children, and you can choose where to delegate you know, that responsibility. You can do it yourself. You can delegate it to, to TCS or, or, or somewhere else. But we do this ministry for our own children first, the people that we have spiritual responsibility for. That's one of why one of our elders, Jeff Abbott, is, is over the school. It's also why the church financially supports the school. It's been around for 55 years. It's why the doctrine and the philosophy of Timberlake Christian Schools is determined by this church. It is an extension of, of this ministry. But then as we do that, we provide this service and the ministry to, to the community. We invite others to, to join us as as well, and we happily serve them in that way as a ministry of this church, with the doctrine and the philosophy of this church, with the leadership coming from from this church. But TCS is a ministry of of Timberlake. I mean, a Christian school has has no authority or or mandate itself. I mean, Jesus didn't say, "I will build my seminary, I will build my university, I will build my Christian school." He said, "I will build my church." So everything has to connect to the church in in some way. And that work of building the church involves equipping and evangelism, and TCS does both of those things. And the primary tool that we use at Timberlake Christian Schools, the primary tool that we build the school ministry on is the Bible. Yeah, there's academics there, and academics are vital. They're important. In fact, just to remind you, 
the Bible says that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so there's nothing spiritual about being stupid. In fact, you should think hard and you should use your mind, and academics is part of that. But because we're followers of Jesus Christ, our sole authority is Scripture. I mean, you can think of it this way. You're Christians here this morning, those of you who are, and I don't have to convince you to look at the, look at the Bible. You shouldn't be listening to me this morning wondering whether I'm going to believe what pastor is saying or not. You should be thinking, is what pastor is saying from the Scriptures? Because if it is, I'm going to obey that because those are the words of, of, of my master. And in the book of Acts, the apostles preached the good news of the gospel. They witnessed, but do but you remember what they proclaimed? They proclaimed Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, this, this one that you crucified, that God raised from the dead. He is both Lord and He's Christ. He, he's both God, He's your Lord, He's your authority, and He's your Savior. He's the one who saves you from your sin. But, but you don't get one without the other. I mean, you can't take Jesus as Savior and not accept Him as, as Lord. He's now your master. And He's the one who also rescued you from, from the judgment. And because He did, you, you want to follow Him. You want to serve Him. And what that looks like in life is, is, is you arrange yourself under, under His Word. I mean, you, you read it, and you try to understand it, and, and you listen, and then you, you align your life with it. You, you place yourself under the under the Word, meaning under the authority of the, uh, of the Word. He's now your master. You place yourself under the authority of the Bible and His words, and that's, that's what a Christian does in all aspects of life, or we would say the, the Bible rightly interprets all of reality. That's what we've been talking about on Sunday nights. We're talking about creation and culture, and we're bringing everything back to Scripture. Why? Because the Scriptures are the, the very words of God. The, the, how do we know? How things were created. What, what, who is God? What pleases Him? Who are we? Well, our Creator gave us a book. And that's what we do with the students at TCS as well. We tell them, unashamedly, we remind them that Jesus is both Lord and Christ, and the Bible is His Word. And we bring their hearts and their souls and their minds under the authority of Scripture. Because everyone has an authority, even you this morning, even if you're not a believer, which I assume most of you are. For the world, it's yourself, your feelings, your philosophers, what your parents taught you, your grandparents, as I say, what I watched on National Geographic. It's a hodgepodge of things. You have a number of authorities, and then those authorities are... are are formed into a belief system, how you govern life, and then after you govern life, then, then you practice life through, through that belief system. But everything is connected to, to an authority. For the Christian, it's the text of Scripture, even if you don't know all of it. That's the source that you go back to. I mean, I hope you understand there's only two ways of looking at life, and they're not compatible. There's the Creator's view, and then there's the world. So, I mean, governed by, by Satan's anti-wisdom. And the Scripture tells us not just what to do, but, but how to think. In some places, it gives you principles. And those principles, then you have to work that out in life. You have to figure out how to work some of those angles. So it, you know, it, it doesn't tell you all the specifics. Uh, you know, 
don't wear shoes that have uh, that show your toes or, or whatever else. It gives you specific principles that you have to work out in, in life. What that means, though, is any attempt to merge the, the, the world with Scripture or compromise is, is just impossible. But that's what some well-intentioned Christians do or attempt to do. And human wisdom is diametrically opposed to Scripture. And that takes conviction to believe that and do that. Conviction is just another word of being immovably convinced of something. It often looks like grit and stability in the face of alternative perspectives. And I want to tell you, if you don't have conviction right now, you're going to need conviction in the face of the world. If you can be easily moved, then it's not a conviction. It might be something you think or believe, but it's not a conviction. And as Christians, we're convinced that God is right. And if you waffle on that in any way, you can just look at Genesis 3. You'll see you've lost the war. You must pursue the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and so you can be used in, in any ministry. And we tell children that and teach them that on a regular basis. We also train faithful men in the Expositor Seminary. If you listen to that basic ecclesiology, nobody, maybe you remember it from a new member class, maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe it's the first time you've heard Matthew, Matthew 16, I will build my church and what he's going to build it on and, and just all of that put together in a, in a nice, neat package and the, you know, the, the apostles and they're laying the foundation still going on and the structure in the book of Acts and then the New Testament tells us specifics about how to carry that out and pastors and teachers and evangelists taking over. It's the first time that you've heard that. If you're listening to that, it should bring up a logical question. I mean, if Christ builds his church and he grows it through the process of of giving gifts to his church, and those gifts are these these positions, and those gifts are then used to mature the saints, where do those workers come from now? I mean, more specifically, how are they equipped to equip me? I mean, who trains them? I mean, you know that Jesus in the Gospels called chose each one of his, of his disciples, and he equipped them over, over three years. And he's given a command to the church to make him mature disciples. So where do church leaders come from today? I mean, who identifies them? Who prepares them? Who trains them? Who sends them? Well, the answer is abundantly clear in several places from the New Testament. But as you go further along beyond the book of Acts... Timothy, 1 Timothy in particular, lays it out very plainly. Now you, uh, 2 Timothy, I should say. Now you do have a, a passage that I'll take you to. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. You, you want to turn there. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. We'll look at verse These are the verses that that outline Paul's instructions to Timothy, who was an elder of a local church, and it provides a pattern for all churches to follow, including ours. And Paul tells Timothy the training and preparing of those future leaders in the church, which God will use to, to build His church, is our responsibility. They're gifts from the Lord, but it's the responsibility of this church 
and its current leaders to engage in this process of, of training these, these men. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not giving you some, some goal, like our goal is to plant 220 churches in 2022 or some other vision nonsense. I'm not giving you a sales pitch. This is what our church desires to do, so you should come and help us be a, be a part of, of, of whatever that gimmick is. I'm telling you, this is what the Bible commands us to do as a congregation. We must train future pastors and teachers. Who will lead the church 20 years from now? Who will be its missionaries? Who will teach at TCS? Who will, who will write the theology books that future students and church members will, will be reading? Well, what, the answer to that question depends upon whether our church answers this call that, that's found right here in 2 Timothy 1 and, and 2, the, the call to train faithful men for ministry. I mean, Paul gives three reasons here why, why our church must train men for, for ministry. He says there's a specific content that has to be maintained. There are also spurious counterfeits to avoid. There's false teaching. And he also says there's a strong command to, to obey. The whole passage begins in verse 8 with, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. But drop down to verse 13. This is where he really gets into the training part. Notice what he says to Timothy, this, this elder at a, at a church. He says, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Listen to these words. Retain the standard of sound words. And these are words that you've heard from me. And you do that in faith and love. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. All these words are pointing in the same direction. Paul literally says, hold the outline of healthy teaching. Hold is, a, is an imperative command. It, it's to hold fast to something. And what they're to hold fast to, or Timothy is to hold fast to, was the outline or the pattern or, or the model. It's a standard that, that's already been laid. It, the word is tupas, where, where we get the word prototype. You can even hear the word type in tupas, the the Passover lamb was a tupas, a, a type, a, a representation of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And Paul says training is like dot to dot, which has already been drawn for, for Timothy. There's a standard of sound words that he's to hold to. And that was drawn for the Apostle Paul by, by the Lord. I mean, what is taught is as important as the task of teaching because future leaders are being shaped. And their thinking is being formed. And then they will teach others. And they'll teach others what the Bible says or what the Bible doesn't say, which unfortunately happens quite, quite often. And you know this truth at Timberlake. We don't desire to add to Scripture or take away from it. I mean, R.L. Dabney said the state of the pulpit may always be taken as an index of, of that of the church. Whatever... Whenever the pulpit is evangelical, the piety of the people is in some degree healthy. A perversion of the pulpit is usually followed by spiritual apostasy in the church. And that's exactly what you see, unfortunately, in a lot of places. Or, or we would say just simply, as goes the preacher, so goes the pulpit. And as goes the pulpit, so goes the people. But who's going to teach? 
new people that are going to stand in the pulpit, those sound words. He's going to teach those sound words to future leaders in the church. God says right here, it's the current elders of the church. He says, we're to hold fast to the standard already given of the healthy teaching, retain the standard of sound words. That word sound means healthy or, or, or well in quality. It's, it's what, what he heard from Paul. This passage says the prototype of truth is what Paul handed to Timothy and what Timothy was then to pass on unadulterated. And that's done by leaders in the church to training the next generation of those leaders. John MacArthur said, sadly, much of the professing church and church leaders today are without any significant convictions. He doesn't mean preferences. There are plenty of those. And you probably have different preferences, and that's fine. And he doesn't even mean to be, you know, a preference that you think really strongly about. I'm convicted about whatever. And you, you could put it in there. That's a, an, your application of a principle. He's talking about doctrine. I mean, Lynchburg has 400 plus churches, over 150 Baptist churches. Just take that as a, as a microcosm. I've never done this. But I would say that if you polled of those 400 and some churches, you, you, you caught people... You took some statistical uh, analysis of people leaving those churches this morning, even in the the Bible Belt, which is probably better called the Church Belt. If you would ask them, is there any difference between a Baptist and a Catholic as long as they love Jesus, you would probably get the answer no. As long as they love Jesus, that's fine. And you might even worse, you might even get that answer from somebody who stood in the pulpit that morning. Many people are more concerned about getting people to go along with them than, than where they're taking them. And they learned that somewhere, or they didn't learn something somewhere. And when this pattern of sound words is lost, it's lost to the next generation because truth matters. And it matters for life, and it matters for, for ministry. And you can see that very clearly in verse 13, uh, 14. Here's the, the spurious counterfeits to avoid. Look at verse 14. It says, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Paul says, what we guard is a treasure. I mean, the reason the church must train people for ministry is because false teaching is possible. And... You know, we use this analogy uh, quite often, me coming from a, working with, with, with medical doctors. I mean, if you want to have an appendectomy, you, you, you don't want just a physician who's been to med school. You want somebody who's actually stood in an operating room and watched somebody sew somebody up and then sewed a little bit themselves and so on and so forth. You want somebody that has, has been mentored. You want somebody who has a residency. And if it's that important for physical things, don't you think it's that important for spiritual things? And yet we take people that, that are not adequately trained to, to, to handle the Scriptures and we, 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 we send them three years through an institution, give them a piece of paper and go out to practice on people. And even worse, we send people like that to the mission field with people who don't even know any difference between heresy or, or otherwise. This is a treasure. That's not to say that uh, you know, that, that's the goal of people. It's just unfortunately what happens a lot of times. The word for guard here is the same word used in Luke 2, of the shepherds guarding their flock by night. It's the same word used in Acts 12.4. It 
soldiers guarding prisoners. And Paul says, retain the standard of sound words, which is, is consistent with, with faith. Uh, because the truth is like a treasure deposited in our hands, and it's been entrusted to us. We have the greatest treasure ever deposited in the trust of mankind. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church is the repository of that truth. Not an institution. 1 Timothy 3.15 But if I'm delayed, I write, you know this passage, so that we may know how we ought to conduct ourselves, or you should conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church. The church is the church of the living God, and it's the, the pillar and, and ground of truth. It's the repository of truth. The church has been entrusted with the gospel. And we're to hold fast to its patterns because it can be perverted and forsaken. Look at verse 15. He says, you're aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. Now, we're not told a lot about these, these two guys uh, other than their cowardice. But what we do know is that they left the truth. They left the treasure. They were ashamed of the gospel and unable to stand with Paul. And that's the very thing that Paul is warning Timothy not to do. He's warning Timothy not to capitulate, not to forsake. And truth will either be your armor or it will be your anvil. It will protect you or it will be what you're dashed upon. I mean, the hammering of the world that rejects the Bible will either transform you into stronger steel or it will mold you into its own form, not fitting of the truth that you claim to believe. And in the church, this strengthening, this, this forming, this, 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 this commitment, guarding is to take place under the careful eyes of, of faithful men who have already been proven and trained. So verse 15 reminds us that we're not just sending people out, we're sending truth through people. People are just the, the vessels. What the, vessel, what the vessel carries, though, is the treasure. And what they carry is to be guarded so how do you guard what has been entrusted? How do you preserve it? Well, you deliberately and intentionally and carefully pass it on, which is the strong command to obey. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Here's the command. You therefore, my son, Paul talking to Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here's the reminder. You, Timothy, don't follow the false teachers. Don't go the way of Phagellus and Hermogenes. Don't fall away. You be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then commit, Timothy, what is retained and what is guarded to other men who will carry on the ministry. That's what he's saying here in Verses 1 and 2. All the rest has really been introduction. This is the command to train future pastors and teachers and to do that in the church. I mean, all Christians are disciples. All Christians are in ministry in some form. But those that God calls to lead the church, these faithful men, or to go outside of the church into a field to, to be missionary evangelists or to be prepared for that task, and again, don't miss this. Timothy is a pastor in a local church. And these faithful men are found in that local church, or they come to that local church. He's, 
He's not being told to send these proven men, these faithful men off to Jerusalem to be trained by the apostles. He is told the elders in Ephesus are to train them within the local church. And this verse is typically used for discipleship, and it one member to another, it surely applies that way. But the specific application is men who have been trained in whatever form, like Timothy, are to take the people that God is raising up. How do you identify them? They're faithful. They're evidenced by their faithfulness. They have a, a, a desire internally, and that's, that's being reached for. They're aspiring for that. And there's character qualities that are, that are becoming evident in their life. It's being evidenced by their faithfully, faithfulness. And then there to the current elders, the pastors and teachers are to purposely commit a body of truth to them so that they will then do the same in the church of God or to simply, say it's simply elders trained for an elder. Notice there's a, there's a particular content. Verse 2, the things that you have heard from me. That's the apostolic doctrine, the foundational doctrine. It's what was in the presence of many witnesses, meaning it's not Paul's private interpretation. It's, it's not, not his thing. This is the specific teaching, the clear doctrine handed down, once delivered to the saints. It's the common salvation based on Jude 1.3. It's not Paul's vision or plan, but proven, tested, approved, affirmed doctrine that was widely known that this is what Christ taught and what his believers or followers believed. It's what was supported and confirmed by the testimony of other teachers. Notice it was to a specific group of people. There's specific content, a specific group of people. Those who had proven faithful, not just to anyone, but the intentional training. Of course, everyone hears the gospel, everyone's taught the Bible, but those with the intentional training of this, of this, this the, the body of doctrine that they're going to be passed up, passing on is to those who are faithful in truth and in life and in character. And Paul's already laid out the character qualities in 1 Timothy 3. The man who desires the office of a, of a bishop, as, we would, as I memorized it. And then there's the character qualities there. There's a husband of one wife and all of those other things. And the one ability that that person has to have, they have to be able to teach. Why? Because the vast majority of the commands given in, given in the Bible to, to a missionary evangelist or a pastor teachers are, proc, are proclamational. They're handling the word. They're proclaiming what Christ said. They're saying, thus saith the Lord. So they need the ability to be able to, to say that with confidence. And then they need to have a life that that backs that up and is a model to follow. and That was for a definite purpose. There's a specific group, those who are faithful. It's for a definite purpose so they can pass it on. We're to replicate the approved and tested doctrine to others who will be able to teach others also, that verse says. And when you put it all together, Matthew 16, and Great Commission and Matthew 28, and you see the book of Acts and then you... you you see the foundation in Ephesians 2.20 and then the gifts that are given and then the specifics of how those gifts are equipping the saints and, and how you, you carry all of that out in the rest of the New Testament. The pattern is very plain. We share the good news of Christ and God saves. We connect the ones that, that, that He does save to the church. We baptize them. We, we then equip them within the church. 
we teach them everything that he's commanded. And out of that group, we'll, God will call some to, uh, will call all to grow the church, but he'll call some as pastors and teachers and missionaries, and then we train those, and then we send those, or being a healthy church, making and maturing disciples, training future leaders, and then sending Great Commission workers. It's not our thing. That's, that's a biblical philosophy of, of ministry. Now, here's the exciting part. That's been going on for a long time right here in this church. It's not something new to us. As I said, Timberlake Christian School's almost 55 years. We're in our 14th year of the Expositor Seminary, and you participate in that, and you have an opportunity to participate in that. It's the work of ministry that the saints do, which is maturity inside the church and proclamation outside of the church. I mean, Timberlake Christian Schools is a ministry of the church that you're part of, of your church. And because of that, it represents your labor. Expositor Seminary is a training ministry of, of this church. And because of that, of, of your labor. And this year, TCS has, has more students than, than they've had in a long time. 522 students, I was told, before, before service. TES has, we have seven new students this semester, 14 total, that are being trained in a Master's of Divinity right here to do what you just heard in, in this passage. And this is the way I want to close today. Um, this will probably be a surprise to some of you that are in both of those ministries, but I'm able to do that because I have the pulpit right now, unfortunately, for you. I want to end this way. I want to invite you, if you are part of Timberlake Christian School in any capacity, to come up and stand up front over here on this side. And then I'm going to ask the same thing for the Expositor Seminary current and, and, and new students and their wives on this side um, because there, are, there is no man in ministry that doesn't have a good wife that's, that's part of it. And some of these guys are probably looking for one. So if you are a part of TCS, a teacher, faculty, uh, in, working in maintenance, you're a volunteer there in any way, you're employed there or you volunteer there in some way. I want you to, to come and stand up here and face the congregation on this side. and do that right now. And then on this side over here, if you are part of Expositor Seminary, your student or a wife, stand over on this side. And you guys will probably have to, TS guys, you have to go over there in the corner because TCS is going to be a bunch of people. And it's fine. You can hide behind somebody if you don't like. You don't like being up front. If you're involved in Expositor Seminary, you're involved in Timberlake Christian Schools. This is not all of them. These are the ones that are part of our church. Some of them are serving this morning in other parts of the of the ministry. And church, what I want you to do is I want you to, to look at their faces and uh, maybe you pick out one or two or maybe you just pray in general and understand that they are they're laboring for you. These are your ministries. And uh, some are being trained and some over here are, are serving. And I want you to pray for them and encourage them in the, in the work. I want you to find ways to serve Timberlake Christian Schools. Give to it of your time, and I want you to find ways to serve the, the seminary and the, 
the students. Um, I'm sure one of the ways you can serve some of these guys is feed them um, on a regular basis. Um, serve these because we fulfill Christ's mandate to train. And we are thankful for both of them. So we're going to close together in prayer uh, for both of these ministries. So let's do that. Father, we come before you today and we give you thanks. I guess we would start with think, we're thankful that we're not going to hell because that's what we deserve. Apart from the gospel in Jesus Christ, we would all be headed there, but because you have been merciful and gracious to us, you saved us. And we're well aware that not everyone is saved. This morning there are people that, that are perishing and and we long for them to believe like we've believed, but we, we are thankful. And Lord, we're thankful that you not only save us, but that you put us in a church. And, and not just any church, but this church. Imperfect, sinners, but one that strives to obey your word and has a biblical philosophy of ministry. And so we're thankful to be part of this church. May we preserve it. May we guard the unity of this church, the purity of this church. Um, may we uphold the truth in it. And thank you for these two training ministries, the ability to train children, um, the ability to influence parents, to do that with academics, to bring them under the authority of Scripture. May you bless everyone who's, who's part of our church, who's, who's from other churches that work there. May you give them a good year. May you protect them. And for these men and their, their wives that are training for ministry, and missions, and in in the, in the pastorate, may you, may you strengthen them, help them to, to, be, to be faithful. We ask all this and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, before I let you go, we have a pizza fellowship tonight. It starts at 5 o'clock. We'll gather here, bouncy stuff for the kids. So there's no teaching this evening, just gathering to eat. And we need to stack chairs. I have a note here on the kitchen side. So is that just that one over here or everything from here over the half so this whole half uh has to be has to be stacked and now you know the real reason why i got you all to stand up here the first ones and no, i'm kidding i didn't let's pray father we love you dismiss us with your blessing and bring us back tonight for fellowship in jesus name amen